0: MTV Breaks is a platform that helps young people break into creative industry careers because we know how hard it can be to get your foot in the door. This podcast was recorded live at MTV Music Week in Plymouth, where we hosted four days of MTV Breaks career panel talks. Whether you're interested in building your own brand and social media following from scratch or leading the creative of a signature television show, our creative industry insiders are here to help as they reveal their top tips on how to play the game and get the edge and bag that dream career.
1: There's also something in the industry about just recognising people for people and going, actually, why why does the disabled person have to be the baddie in the film? Why does the disabled person have to be the, the person that's the inspiration? Why can't they just be the person?
0: In this panel, hosted by Senior Director of Global Inclusion Strategy at Viacom, Wincy Knight, Plymouth Theatre Royal Engagement Manager Sarah Baldwin and disabled filmmaker Frankie Hocking from Funky Llama, join drama Kira Doran from Pale Waves to explore what inclusion looks like in creative spaces and how we can work towards equal opportunity for all. Hi, everyone.
2: My name's Wincy. I'm Wincy Knight. I'm the I'm Senior Director of Global Inclusion Strategies for Viacom. Um, So this panel is really interesting for me because, as you can hear, my title includes the word inclusion. So I thought, how about, let's start off, what does inclusion mean? So, I mean, the definition that I've got here, I thought I'd get the definition from the, the dictionary. And the definition is the action or state of included or including or being included within a group or structure. So simply it means, you know, being accepting of everybody, making sure that everybody has a place. So um, what, what, what do you think inclusion means in your industries? Um, if you want to introduce yourself and what you actually do and then explain what you think inclusion means, that would be great.
1: Um, so, yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm the Engagement Manager at the Theatre Royal Plymouth, um, and my work uh, encompasses all, all kind of engagement work with communities in the city. Um, so that ranges from open access opportunities for adults. Um, over the age of 18, through to targeted programmes um, that we've been developing and running for up to 10 years with adults with multiple and complex needs, um, the disabled community, looking at neurodiversity, but also as a theatre more broadly, how we can ensure that we are engaging with um, and allowing opportunities for people to develop in the arts um, as a whole. So Funky Llama is a programme programme isn't just about the arts at all. It's a, it's about all, all art forms. It's actually quite music-led um, and it's about providing those platforms and opportunities for people to, to develop into artists in their own right. So whether that starts through participation and engagement in the arts and through the theatre, um, right the way through to then kind of being responsive to talent um, and finding opportunities to ensure that we can collaborate with others and make those meaningful engagements turn into opportunities to become artists in your own right. So that's kind of our work. So for me, inclusion is about not closing any doors, um, when recognising barriers and finding ways to remove them, not by me as a non-disabled person going, oh, I think we should do this, but actually talking with communities, going, what are those barriers? How can we remove them? What do you need us to do in order to be able to access this thing? Do you even want to access it? So... Um, it's all about kind of taking a needs-based approach. It's about being responsive to what's happening in the city that you're in. Um, I think inclusion also is about not trying to copy what other people are doing. You have to think about where you are in as, a, as an organisation or within a city. So in Plymouth, it's very different thinking about representation compared to what it might be in Birmingham or London or Manchester. So so um, it's all about being authentic. Yeah,
2: to, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
3: Yeah, so I'm Frankie. I, I work for uh, the Theatre Royal Plymouth on two projects. Um, uh, Sarah's my line manager, so uh, basically everything she said is the projects I work on, so Funky Llama um, and then the R Space project. Um, but I'm also a filmmaker, um, and I've done a lot of study on um, uh, representation of uh, disability, particularly in, uh, in media, which is a, a very massive uh, topic. Uh, but for me, it's... Um, when I hear inclusion, I don't want to just be included. I want to be, it be a fair and equal playing field. Because you can be included in things, but that not be fair. It still be, you're still on the sidelines. So, um, which happened a lot as a kid for me. Um, I'm, I'm a lot louder than I used to be. So now I don't really let that happen. But growing up, it was um, a lot of uh, you'll be there and you're included, but you're not included. So for me, inclusion is about fair and equal opportunity.
2: Nice.
4: Kira? Mm. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kira from Pearl Waves. I play drums. Um, I feel like our shows are very inclusive. Anyone can be like, look like what they want and that's like, I feel like we help people in that way. Uh-huh. Um, like lots of boys come to the shows with like full makeup and they like the only thing they can do that are our shows. Mm-hmm. But we want to like, I don't know. It's very important for our band to help people who are, like, the minority.
2: For Inclusion Week last year, we had a strap line, Be You Belong. And I think for us as a business, I think that's really important to make people feel like they can be who they want to be and they don't have to hide behind something else or, you know, so I think... All of what you've all said is part of inclusion. So I think just having a little—that little that little word means so much. Just being included is not enough. Mm. To be accepted and to be who you want to be is also yeah, quite like important. Yeah,
4: support, no, like it's supportive. I feel supportive. like, yeah, if you've got support all the way through your life, you're going to do well. And like, I feel like that's, like, in the industry, like, music industry, that's why there's not as many female, you know, like, musicians, because it's not supported as like in high school mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like it's more or well you could do dance or like catering or something mm-hmm. and like i don't know it's same for boys as well if they're like a singer in high school that wasn't like a cool thing if mm-hmm. a boy was a singer it would be like seen as feminine or something
2: so you think there's stereotypical roles that yeah people like
4: have. we stereotype like like from such a young age and like i feel if that Stops. there's going to be way more female musicians, female, like whatever, because they'll feel more comfortable and feel more believed in. And I feel like if people believe in you, like you'll succeed. Definitely. For me anyway.
2: I think you're completely right. Sarah, how do you, because I I read on on your website, you refer to disability in a different way. Can you just go and talk about a a little bit about that? Because I think it's a really nice way to challenge people's perception
1: It's actually, it's it's quite a topic of discussion in our team at the moment, because, um, so we've historically used the term differently abled Mm. when it's come to Funky Lama. And um, I think in an ever-changing kind of uh, political and cultural society, terms around disability are forever changing and evolving. So, you know, in the time that Funky Lama has been running... Disabled people, rightly so, have reclaimed the, the the term disabled. It's you know when we were working on Funky Lam originally, it was do we say people, do we put people first and then say with disabilities or with a learning disability, or do you put the disability first, or actually do you just remove the the disability element at all? And so. We, we, we work with a steering committee of, um, of adults with multiple experiences of, of abilities and disabilities and um, and that's where that term came from The challenge now I suppose is actually with all of the with with the real drive and awareness around the social model of disability um, which still isn't within our Disability Act but is is kind of very much the model that the disabled community are, are working around which is that uh, Society is the disabling factor, not the individual. The individual is not the is not the issue. It's the environment and yeah. society that we live in that's the issue. And so the stairs to a building are, are the issue, not the person in the wheelchair. Um, and so as differently abled as a term, is we're starting to evolve that a bit more and go, actually, no, it is about going, I am a disabled person and I'm proud to call myself a disabled person. And the reason I am disabled is because of you, not because of me. So we are moving away from that term a bit now, but it's always been central to kind of what we're all about, which is about, I, I can't make the call on what a group of people no. want to be referred to if I don't have that shared experience. So yeah, but Frankie's, uh, Frankie's been challenging us, which has been really good.
3: <laughs> yeah, because it's not a term I agree with. Um, we had a, a discussion, so we talk- yeah, Sarah just briefly touched on the, um, uh, the social and the medical models of disability, so that's a whole other conversation, um, but it's, uh, I, uh, part of the steering group, I came to them in terms of my experience, and um, we had a discussion about it, and even, um, there's a, a lad on the, um, uh, on the steering group, he's got autism, and he was like, he was just like, but we're all differently abled, every human's differently abled, and he said that doesn't really make sense, and it doesn't define, it defines everyone, not not their the, the particular group of people, so um, yeah. So I, I personally is something that I, I'm quite championing at the moment. Is uh, uh, the, the it's a disabled person, um, and this isn't. Uh, it's not a. Ver- it's not um, a way to describe me. It's a, it's a verb. I've been disabled by things around me. Yeah. So um, and it's it's just English language really. The white people. It's confusing because. The word disabled sounds like an adjective and it sounds like um, uh, it's defining the person, but it's not, it's, it's something that is happening, it's a doing word.
2: So, um, Frankie, so how do you think that we can improve um, the visibility for underrepresented people? Frankie and Sarah, you can both answer that, that will be great.
3: Um, for me, it, I'd say it's about more opportunities and not uh, segregating. Because I feel there's a lot of time where people are discounted for being any kind of different without they're actually having that discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, So it will happen behind closed doors. So there are lots of opportunities to put out to everyone. And then decisions will be made without really... with more bias towards certain people. And I feel that that needs to stop. So I think the best thing really is just to increase... fair opportunities for all people really Um, and to not uh, stigmatize or stereotype people because especially uh, obviously I speak a lot from being a disabled person but um, there's people will assume um, lack of strength lack of motivation with disabled people and not even give them a chance and that's happened to me when I've applied for jobs Um, so I think that with Art, particularly, um, there is a lot more leeway in being having equal opportunity because art is art, um, and I think that what makes art so significant is that we are influenced by it constantly. So if if you give more opportunity to uh, different artists, uh, using the word difference just as a uh, to generalise, um, that I think that that will influ- influence a larger scale amount of things.
1: I guess it's also um, in terms of the the term inclusion being thrown around there. I've had lots of conversations with disabled artists in particular over the years um, around what inclusivity means to them. And that doesn't mean that you're treating everyone the same. Um, it's about being responsive to the needs of people
2: um, and also, in order to level that playing field. And, and that's the thing. Um, disability is the only protected characteristic where you treat the individual in the way that they need to be treated. So I think that's really important as well. So that's, you've, got to, you've got to have a little bit of insight, haven't you? You've got to understand that person's need. And also the person has to then speak up and say what they also need. Yeah. So it's a, it's a two-way yeah, playing absolutely. field. Absolutely. So it's just recognising that people all come
1: with, with different needs, Whoever you are. And so being able to be responsive to that rather than going, being fair and equal means everyone being treated the same. Well, no, actually, that,
2: that creates more barriers and more opportunities for people to not be able to be included. Okay. And, and talking about that, in terms of what do you think are the biggest challenges um, for disabled mus- musicians? So, um, Funky Llama is a program that
1: we run in in Plymouth um, that's been running uh, since 2013, following a pilot in 2010. Um, and it's um, in its nature, it's about more op- more creative opportunities for the disabled community um, and high quality professional platforms for for those artists to be able to um, perform in front of in front of crowds um, and be accepted and recognized for their talent not because it's an opportunity to go oh look at that brilliant person isn't it great so um so funky lama has been running to do that and i suppose the challenges that have come with that is um for example luke who was going to be on the panel today luke is an artist we've been working with since 2013 Um, he's an incredible electronica artist um, uh, he's a man with cerebral palsy, and he has developed his own way of being able to make and produce music, trigger music through different kind of devices. But the, the real challenge that I've had with Luke over the last five, six years has been getting his work recorded. Because of the way he, his setup is, it's really hard to transfer that into a studio space. And then when we have found studio spaces that we'll be able to, to, to work with that we've arrived and physical access has meant he's not able to get in the building. Yeah. Um, so that's always been a real challenge. And for Funky Llama as well, it's been thinking about audiences and how they best access the music, the art that's happening across, across the festivals and the club nights that we run, but also thinking about access for performers. And that isn't just about having... Um, ramps that meet the legislation and policies, that's about thinking about, okay, so tomorrow at Funky Lama Festival, we have an artist called The Shouting Mute. Uh, his name's Dave, and uh, he is a spoken word artist and triggers all of his spoken word through eye communication with his his computer device. Amazing. Um, so access for him is about, and inclusion for him, is about making sure that the lights are right on the stage so that they don't cause a glare on the screen, which means that he's then not able to trigger his spoken word recorded pieces of work and kind of do all the mixing that he does by bringing those people in by bringing in not just disabled people anyone in and hearing from them and working with them you can make much more exciting art music whatever that is so and you know then that in terms of how that then translates you'll get a far wider audience of people engaging with it because it's much more representative as a buzzword and it's much more exciting
2: Then talking about music, do you think, how do you think women fare in the music industry, Um, being a woman yourself?
4: Um, It's different, like, it's, I don't know, it's in different um, roles, I feel like you can feel it more, like, everyone always thinks I'm a singer, like, if I'm not with the band, like, I'm I'm in the music world, they're like, oh, you're a singer, and it's like, nice, like, you're assuming I'm a singer just because I'm a woman, which is, like, weird to me. Because, like I said, it was like feminised, isn't it? As a young age, like singing and stuff like that, which is silly. But, uh, like, as a producer, I'd feel the most uncomfortable as a woman because I feel like I'm not taken as seriously and my ideas aren't listened to and stuff like that.
2: What do you think people could do more to make you feel...
4: I don't know, just, like, your gender doesn't, like, um, decide how good you are at something. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why it's always been a thing, like, people not trusting women in the creative industry. It's a bit ridiculous to me, because, like, I don't think if you're a woman or a man, it makes any difference to, like, how good you are at producing a song or being a drummer. Like, people always think I'm going to be, like... you like, you don't see many female drummers, do you? And like old <laughs> men like get a bit obsessed with me and it's weird because it's like, <laughs> because they're so surprised to see me playing drums. Like I literally was playing this one night in Vancouver or something. And there was this dude at the side of the stage like taking pictures of me and he like kissed my hand after the show and everything. He was like smitten. But it's just like, so weird that it's like a different thing, do you know what I mean? To be a drummer and a mm. girl.
2: So you, you're flying the f- flag for women, yeah. banging the drums. So I say <laughs> yeah. like banging the drums yeah, for women.
4: Exactly. Okay. So
2: um, talking about representation, I think um, it's really in recent years, um, lots of producers have casted able-bodied um, actors, represented disabled characters, cisgender actors playing transgender roles. It seems like there's this this whole non-inclusive behaviour going on behind behind the scenes. Has anyone got any thoughts on, on that and how we can make that better?
3: Uh, yeah, I actually wrote my dissertation uh, along the lines of this. And uh, the biggest issue um, is, you are saying about the people that cast these roles, the biggest issue behind it, I think, is the fundamentals of it. So the fact that from the get-go, the disabled people or whoever's um, in whatever this role is, is not even factored into it at the very beginning. So um, even if, say, it turned out that the actor be cast um, as a, a non-disabled um, actor, that normally that comes from someone that's not got any experience of disability, um, and that's where the issue comes by. So I'd say that there are there are exceptions to it because there are, like, I, the Eddie Redmayne is a classic one. Uh, I quite like that film. A lot of the thoughts to that is the fact that. Uh, Stephen Hawking was there the whole time when he made that. Um, I know there's lots of issues behind the old idea generally, but I think that the fundamentals of whatever you're writing about, the whatever um, demographic you're thinking about, needs to be in in it from the get-go, from the ground up. So if if it does result in a non-disabled actor being cast in that role because they are the best actor for that, mm-hmm. if it's being if it's been it directed or written or con- at least consulted by someone that, is, that has that condition or has had that experience, then maybe you're off to something a little bit better. But the issue comes about that non-disabled um, directors and writers often are writing these things um, for inspiration. I'm going to. It's a term called inspiration porn, mm. and um, that comes a lot in uh, media. And that's often it's for uh, non-disabled people to feel better about their own lives because their lives could be a lot worse because they're disabled. So that's my biggest issue with it. So I wouldn't say that they're having a non-disabled actor play a disabled um, character is inherently that bad. It just needs to be the fundamental needs to be from the get go. It needs to be done by disabled people or else not at all.
2: Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? Because, again, that goes back to the word that I said at the beginning, that authenticity, Authenticity. so having the right people on set to guide could actually influence it rather than it just being like a tokenism, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely, but I also think there's uh, another issue that kind of sits alongside this, which is that, th- that where there are disabled people being cast in roles... Um, they're only being cast in disabled roles. And so actually um, last year I met a lady called uh, Sarah who, and I can't remember her surname right now, uh, but she's, a, she's an actress. She has Down syndrome and she's had some really brilliant gigs on TV. Um, she's been in Call the Midwife and all of those things. And, and last year was the first year that she got cast in a play that was about a, it was about a woman that had experienced domestic abuse. And she was cast in that play as a woman not as a woman that had Down syndrome that had that experience. So I think there's also something in the industry about not... about just recognising people for people and going, actually, why can't a disabled person play that able person, as it's always been, role? Why can't they... Why, why does the disabled person have to be the baddie
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: film? Why does the disabled person have to be the the person that's the inspiration? why can't they just be the be person the role. <laughs> and be the, yeah. be the protagonist, be that lead person? So I think there's something around that as well that needs to be addressed more.
2: Well, I think that's really important, um, what you've just said. So you're not just stereotyping people, you're actually having people play characters and it just so happens they may have a disability or they're black or they're whatever it may be
1: yeah
2: who, sorry who, who's to say that,
1: who's to say that Bond should be not be a should be a white man yeah. who's to say all of those things so it's just it's about everything I think in in terms of that Sorry,
3: Frankie. I was just going to say that um, yeah these uh, all these stereotypes that we were talking about is that like people that it's, it's perpetuating actually something really quite toxic and people don't realise that so, um, and the, the stereotypes and the stigmas that people put in the media, um, like there's actually really just brushed aside, like, oh, that's just the way it is, is actually really, really harmful, and we won't progress as a society if media keeps perpetuating these negative ideas.
4: Kira,
2: what do you think are the main problems um, for women, um, the blockers in, in the music industry?
4: Well, like I said, it's to, like built into you from a young age to like not aspire to be creative. Mm-hmm. But like as we d- we're progressing as humans, everyone's getting a bit like more used to each other being different and whatever. Um, I think it can only go like in a good direction. I think we just need to like talk about it more. I feel like it's like more schools need to like show everyone that there's different people from what you're like or what you used to and you need to accept so it
2: so you think the problem can stem from it or the problem can be eradicated at the beginning at school yeah, at, yeah. At nurseries and things like that where gender roles mm. are kind of assigned and this is what girls do this is what boys oh, do yeah. um this yeah. is how you should behave um have you got anything more to say about that
3: i was just it's just funny because like lots of i think the school thing's really important because this is i think what the conversation all is is that everything that people know now, it's really hard to change their mind. But we have a genera- generation coming up that, if they, if they, we can change their minds now. They are still learning, um, and I think a big part of it is that we have a society that's is built around a very small, actually quite a, is actually a minority of people, but they run the country, and then it's like that's crazy that that's just how we are going and I think that the more we educate and the more we build the next generation that we're going to change people's minds
4: yeah education is so important like especially like being gay as well I feel like that needs to just be taught from a young age and like in movies and everything like that it needs to I feel like some parents think you know like a lesbian thing on tv it's like you know, nighttime TV or something. They're, like, uncomfortable by it because they think it's, like, a sexual thing for two men or women to be together. And I think it's crazy and we need to enforce that more. So
2: breaking down the stereotypes and barriers yeah, and having like, representation. Yeah,
4: exactly. Like, if you watch a programme, it's always, like, token gay person. Do you know, it's not, like, that's their thing that like you said about disabled people. They're not just a person. It's, like, they've got a a job. Like, that that's their role in, in the in the program or whatever because they're gay that's why they're there to like represent it's not like i don't know you wouldn't have more than two gay people you wouldn't have more than one gay person in a show would you like because there's already one there and you know that's all you need (laughs) because
3: everything every kind of demographic isn't normalized like you're saying it goes back to the same of the writing of anything is that they're always even women uh, are, like, in, in films always just yeah. sat to be seen talking about boys. And it's just not representative of, of humans. Like no, it's just, And it's just... It's weird that that is the way it's still presented.
4: Have you ever, like, looked at the... Like, a movie, like... A description of a movie. It's, like, strong female lead. It's like, oh, good to know. There's a, that the woman is the main person. At all. <laughs> no, but, like, it's still, like on like on all the descriptions today and it's absolutely crazy to me.
2: And I, I, earlier on today, you were talking just about that poster kind of campaign where you, you get a disabled person, and a black person and you put them on your prospectus and you've done disability, you've done you've done diversity and you look really good. Do you want to expand on that a bit?
3: Um, yeah, I was just saying that uh, for my uh, graduation, uh, on, on our like year that we graduated, there were, uh, it was very uh, non-diverse I'd say. But in the paper, the photographs they take, um, they put in the paper. I was one of them. It was uh, my friend who's, who's African, another friend of mine who's Pakistani, and then um, and a girl who I knew from uh, Bulgaria, and they were, we were all over the paper. And it was just that tokenism. It was just like you got those that actually were a very small amount of uh, diversification in the year group, but it looks great doesn't it
2: and it's going back to what yeah. you said they're included but it doesn't actually mean that the environment was inclusive so I guess on the argument's
3: sake it's just that it's good for anyone seeing that to encourage them to say oh there are people that look like me or there are people like me to come along so mm. it's it works both ways it's, I guess it does, it's like because you don't the reality's
2: be... not there but it yeah. could be encouraging the people seeing someone like themselves to go okay well maybe I will apply there now which I'm all that for. University. That's
3: why I, I, I kind of I'm okay to be tokenized if I want, because I think if people want it, because I think that if I was a kid and I'd see someone who was like me, it does, it inspires me, it makes me it want, it motivates me. So it's you know six or one half a dozen of the other sometimes. Mm-hmm.
2: So we, we were talking earlier on about how having just the one sometimes is seen as good enough. Um, can you expand a bit more on that, Sarah, in terms of the, the pressure that the one, the one disabled, the one black person, the one gay person has on on that person?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I just think it's it's kind of like what everyone's been saying. It's just not actually how the world works like there isn't just one of anyone (laughs) like there is everyone is different so there is only one me there is only one frankie there's only one of any of us but in terms of kind of representation it becomes really challenging when we go um okay so when casting for a show for example or when putting a lineup together for a festival of music um oh well we've 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 hit the target now because we've we've got the female headliner and we've got the the disabled orchestra coming in to do their thing and we've got this and we've got that so so that kind of that says that we're diverse now mm-hmm. that says that we're diverse now we're we're, we're doing something here well yeah. well no you're not actually you and um I think going back to the thing around school and and kind of community and and educating people I think the more we um are kind of going back to the the old school ways of community, Mm -hmm. the more we're going to be able to start to share and learn and then see training opportunities change so that people that do experience barriers can have those barriers removed so that they can go into professional training. So, for example, the learning disabled community really, really struggle in terms of getting professional qualifications to be able to become an actress, to be able to become a musician, because we still standardise everything back to, have you got a degree in this? Can you read and write that? Um, And particularly in the arts, that becomes really challenging because you're stripping away, as you were saying earlier, you're stripping away the the creativity and the artist in someone Mm -hmm. and putting that back to kind of pen and paper. And if someone doesn't work in that way, if someone doesn't speak that language... Mm -hmm. Um, If someone doesn't communicate in that way, then that becomes really challenging. So I think it's about opening doors, it's about communities, it's about then authentically representing people and going, you can be that because there's other people being that and it doesn't have to just be one person. So how ridiculous that I'm, I'm, when I'm referring to um, an actress with Down syndrome, there's only one person on my mind that I can call call upon quickly in my head that, that, that is that person that's had that experience. But I've been doing this work for the last seven, eight years, and there's not there's not much opportunity to refer to high quality professional artists to call upon in that in that context. Do you know what I mean? Right. So there's a real issue with that. We need to be able to provide more opportunity, and I think there is something also to be said in terms of when you are then thinking about the workforce within organisations and how you kind of bring people through is you have to think about that social model and you have to think about what can we do to remove barriers so that more exciting and interesting people um, apply because that that diversity that will then come through is,
2: is really exciting and will bring yeah. about much more creativity. And I'd like to chip in on that, actually. So the MTV Breaks programme is a great opportunity for people to come into our business who don't necessarily have a degree so looking at talent outside of what a degree brings so you may have experience in other fields but you may think oh I can't apply for for that position at MTV or Viacom because I don't have a degree but I've worked years on such and such so I've worked years as a as a producer but I just don't have a degree we're really focusing on taking away those barriers to people coming into our business um, by actually just saying apply you know break into our industry we're giving people the opportunity so I really you know I think that's a really great point that you just made that you've got to change your ways in order to make those diverse people come into the business
1: and I think the way that the education system is working currently you we're going we're gonna have to do that change because universities are becoming more inaccessible again because of the cost to go to university. And so people are going down the routes of kind of vocational ways of, of learning so that they can build their skills and go into whatever industry kind of they're going into. And that's, so that is exciting, but then there's got to be a way of then thinking about that as, as industries and as employers. Perfect.
2: Has anyone got any questions? Hello. Uh, my name is Christopher. My question is, Is if if, if a big spark can be your circumstances, how do you reach those who are at the bottom, maybe not in a great place in their lives, and um, maybe facing multiple challenges to get where you are today?
1: Well, I, I guess, um, Chris, kind of the journey that we've been on is that it's, it's about um, community, and I think that isn't it, it, that can't all be the responsibility on the arts to do that. I think that's thinking about community more generally. So it's about, you know, I I, I always give the example of when I um, I moved into a flat in Plymouth, and there was 19 other flats in the building, and I think I in the three years that I lived there, I met two other people that lived in that building because there's just a thing about community and people not opening their doors and not being wanting to live in kind of this really busy world where we keep our heads down and we're on our phones and we're, we're doing all of these things and we're not appreciating ourselves and one another and the world that we live in and art and all of those things. So I think there's something that needs to kind of go back to the, the roots of community. And if you start to do that, then people will start to be acknowledged. Giving someone a smile um, can brighten up a day. It can be anything. And then I think in terms of kind of what we do as an organisation at the Theatre Royal Plymouth is, is to go you're welcome come in have a conversation with us like our most uh, our most kind of uh, celebrated and successful projects I suppose have come from doing exactly that there is a lot of work to do about kind of bringing communities back together because that's I think when when those barriers stop and those people that it, maybe it feels like they are at the bottom of the bottom of that pile just being that person that kind of that neighbor that goes do you want a cup of tea, or is everything all right today, or can I help you open those letters, and or is there anything I can do for you? That's that's when you start to see that change happen at the bottom.
4: Kira, <laughs> um,
1: how did you like go? You said you met Heather at uni. How did you go from like just writing songs with her to like I don't know the next step, and like, do you have any tips for people who are trying to do the same thing?
4: Yeah, like I feel. That you should use everyone around you. Like, if you know people who know more than you, just ask them. That's, like, that's what really helped me. I always just was really inquisitive to people. And you just got to network and you got to do the graft. Like, really wi- weird little shows and stuff like that. But And, like, go through some changes. Um, but if you stick at it, you'll do well. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, really. But, um, yeah, just... Be around people who support you and, like, know how good you are. Sarah, have you seen, like, any,
1: some, like, some really nice success stories come out of the work that you do, um, like, in terms of, like, permanent change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some incredible um, organisations around the country that are doing really brilliant things. And I think on a kind of a larger scale, that is all about networking and surrounding yourself with those people that that understand it as well. So we have some incredible partners that we've worked with over the years. And so Luke, who was going to be here today, that was the person that we were having the challenges with kind of getting recordings of his music... um, I, we, we started doing some partnership work with a, an organisation called Drake Music who are based in London and have a base in Bristol as well. And they are a disability-led cha- um, charity, music charity that do lots of work with the PRS Foundation and Help Musicians UK. Um, and they partnered with us on a, a paid commission for a South West-based disabled artist to make work. And Luke was the person that um, applied and was chosen and so it meant that for the first time ever and he's he he won't mind me saying he's 34 now um for the first time ever that he had actually kind of had that break and that opportunity to make music and be paid to make music and then had a platform at the end of that to showcase it so that was a real success story i suppose with all things it's then about going what's next and and continuing to knock on those doors and to to Um, find those ways of removing further barriers, but that was absolutely a success story. Um, Locally, we've had some... Our artists have done some incredible kind of um, venues over the years um, and have been up to the the South Bank Centre and Lindsay, who was one of our incredible... one of our incredible artists went on to become uh, working for Drake Music in London, moved to London after doing her music technology degree. Um, Unfortunately, Lindsay passed away last year, but she was an incredible advocate for that work, um, became a trustee for Drake Music and was doing loads of brilliant things. Um, We've had a DJ, an an autistic DJ, Joshie B, um, who, when we were doing one of our club nights in a mainstream venue, people were really wowed by how incredible he was as a DJ. And so he got a local, uh, a regular slot on a Friday night in that in that club, uh, DJing at nine o'clock on a Friday night. And so th- those are those success stories that happen and they only happen by challenging people's perceptions and kind of pushing at the door and going, all right, well, we'll come and do this event and you'll see how talented they are. And then you'll think twice about whether you want them in on another night as well. And that, that's where that change happens, I think. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of success stories. But I think it has to come from, unfortunately, from targeted work that is about targeting and working with a community of people and working with them to kind of make that change happen and then pushing that out to the mainstream. It doesn't seem to work kind of the other way at the moment. But, um,
2: yeah. So if no one's got more questions. Perfect. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this MTV Breaks podcast. Let us know what career advice you liked best or what you'd like to hear more of using the hashtag MTV Breaks Podcast. To catch up on some of the action from Plymouth Music Week, search on social using the hashtag MTV Music Week. Catch you soon.